Consummate Athlete seeks health, community, and adventure through movement. And here on the podcast, longtime endurance coach and kinesiologist Peter Glassford and author and cycling coach Molly Herford are helping you lead your best active, adventurous life. Every week, we talk with professional athletes, health and fitness experts, and of course, real-life consummate athletes. We're excited to have you along for the ride. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another Q&A on the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Yeah, we're back. We have two questions that are quasi-related uh, from the listeners, so thank you for those and uh, watching for the shout-out for questions, but you can always DM or, or use the contact form over at consummateathlete.com to shoot in any questions or topics you just like us to sort of hash out, and, and uh, I guess we're giving our opinion, but I try and do a bit of background research as well before we get on here and and chat about it. Yeah, we've uh, we've heard from a few people in recent weeks that they sort of missed our, our higher frequency Q&A episodes. So, uh, you know, keep the questions coming so we can keep kind of pondering the topics that are the most interesting to you guys. For sure. And we have uh, one today from Melissa is actually sort of central to like being a consummate athlete, really. Right. It's about this sort of seasonality of training. Also, I personally really love the amazing line she dropped about not wanting to be in her basement on her bike playing a video game. Right. Yes. Slam. Huge slam on Swift out of nowhere. Swift Nation is upset. Um, Yeah. And so her her basic idea is that she's, you know, maybe not a lot different than us, but sort of this idea of where she sort of has cycling season, the the summer, the warmer months, and then a a running season. Right. And, And to me, I'm like, great. This sounds like a great setup, right? You just very, there's a lot of advantages to that. But she pointed out that uh, coming into the spring, it's often very hard, especially where like her friends who have been on Zwift and, and these sort of training in the basement, training on the trainers, the, the turbo trainers, the rollers, the spin class, maybe they're a little bit more ready for cycling season at least, right? And maybe they have a head start might be something we might might be worried about too right they've got the jump on us and maybe we won't catch up so i think these are pretty real feelings and fears right as someone who maybe isn't going to look at a bike for a few months yeah for sure um and i mean it's funny i as i saw this question i all i could think was like oh my gosh this was me last weekend right Uh, yes you had us running summer yeah funny enough i'm sort of the opposite of this question in that like i tend to spend january february march riding because we're usually coaching winter training camps yeah and yeah and i guess you also do a bit of rollers in the winter too and when i have to yeah um yeah and then and then in the summer i'm all about running so this summer you know i've barely been on a bike but then you know uh i guess it'll be a couple weeks ago when this episode comes out but you know we went into the uh eight hour at hardwood hills in ontario and, um, you know, it was me on a relay team with a lot of riders who had been actually riding and mountain biking a lot over the summer because it's their main thing. And it was honestly like a really difficult mental thing to kind of come to terms with because, you know, I consider myself fairly athletic at this point. Wait, waiting for you to jump in there with I think I mean, you're, you're a athletic, fabulous but that doesn't mean that you're you know you've, you've like focused on that one discipline right you're not specialized in mountain biking okay well that was not the uh compliment I was I was going for there but I'll take it um anyway so going in I was super nervous and you know just really stressed out about being sort of the the slow one or the one who was like the worst mountain biker there um and I mean Honestly, I was 
fine. Like I was reasonably competent. I did not, it was not even really like a race. It was more of a fun thing, but naturally I'm a competitive jerk. So it was really difficult. Right. Um, so, you know, I was feeling really bad about myself, honestly, when I was out there and struggling through some of the sections. Um, and then I sort of started thinking about it and I realized like, why should I be good at mountain biking right now? Right. The should statement. Yeah. So actually, uh, if you recall, we had that sports psych on, um, Alison Pope Rodius, and she talked a bunch about the, the should or never or always statements. Um, so, and, uh, there's actually that book, the myth of stress. That's one, one of, of my your favorites. favorites. Yep. Yep. And it's, it's, you know, whenever you kind of have that should should, should or should not you consider the the opposite like yeah. what are the reasons that you shouldn't be keeping up should not be keeping up with mountain bikers who dedicate their entire lives to mountain biking uh, one would be that i hadn't been on a mountain bike in a year right <laughs> it's a great reason that i should not be able to keep up um so that that sort of you know a started shifting my focus to you know okay it's totally reasonable and then honestly i did start thinking you know and maybe this is like the less gracious way of looking at it but i'm gonna be real honest here you know i started thinking honestly if we lost the bikes right now and everyone had to run this lap i'd be the fastest because i have focused on running and they haven't so you know so the the inverse of it was sort of thinking through like okay i can't ride as fast as they can ride but i can also run faster than they can run yeah i mean i think as your coach David would say, like you are enough and the, the running, the biking is, is somewhat in, you know, irrelevant to that, right? Like you are enough without that. And, you know, you definitely have areas that you are very competent and then you, we all have areas that, you know, we're less ready for or less competent. Right. But I think for me, the way I would look at it is, you know, you get what you train for. Right. So you don't really, this is a Dan John thing, but you don't really deserve to be disappointed when you're new at something, right? Like it's, you just, there's no, there's no expectations. You can't be disappointed. So, you know, the first time you do a ty- a race or you do these different things, like there's no expectation, which is easy to say, very hard to do. Which is where my less gracious method of, well, I'm better at something else. Sure. <laughs> and I think taking pride in that, right? But I think, you know, maybe getting back to Melissa's question and and, you know how do we come to terms with this seasonality of training you know we have bike season then run season and i think the idea is that we sort of lay this out as like these are the cycles the weather changes you know this is what's fun this is what i enjoy at these times of the year and and i think you're very rational and sane not to ride indoors right and that's that's fine uh what we want to do then is, is sort of look at a few options as far as the transitions and i think that's for melissa that would be the tweak i would make if she came to me for for coaching or a plan is to try and have like some transition periods between those phases. So maybe, and that may be transition phase in the, in the typical way we might use that where it's like a big race or something. And then like a week of transition. But when I say that, I mean more like the shoulder periods, the periods just before we switch to cycling, what are the things we can do? Like, is the weather getting okay? And maybe we can start getting out on a bit of rides can you maybe get in on a trainer a little bit and just even for short spins where you're working a bit on coordination, like some, some spinning, some high cadence, uh, that type of stuff. Um, if you were indoors, maybe you'd do some one leg stuff as well, more for boredom than anything else and the skill of clipping in and out, but we could call that coordination too. Um, just to try and get ready, right? Cause some of your fitness, a lot of your fitness from running is going to transfer. I, I do believe that. I think that's, it's a great way to stay fit, but there's obviously coordination for the different sports, right? We find the same thing coming back to running. It takes me a week or two to start feeling good. 
even though I'm pretty fit and, and with running, right. there's definitely a bit of that springiness, that neuromuscular ability takes a while to build. But because you're experienced in both, like I wouldn't expect if you were otherwise fit and healthy that the transition over would take that long. So it's just, can you try and get a jump on the season would be my first thing. Can we look at it having a, a mixed period between those? And it might come back the other way too. You might start dabbling with some, some hiking and run walks as you go back into run season if, if you're not running through the season. Yeah. through the cycling season. Yeah. And I mean, I think to me, this is like doing the two different seasons is a really great way to avoid the the burnout that could eventually come from someone who never takes a break from cycling. And, you know, the day the weather turns, they're back on the indoor trainer yeah. and like going, going hard yeah. on that. I'm always so careful with the indoor cycling stuff. Cause even with Zwift and video games, it's, it's, it burns motivation really, really easily. And definitely the people who fat bike or get outside all winter or mix it up at least, or in, in Melissa's case, like completely take a break. You're so fresh and so excited. But again, this is like central to the consummate athlete idea is that like, we're, we're not bummed about the change of seasons or the change of the weather being quote unquote bad. There is no quote unquote bad weather because Maybe you like swimming and, you know, it's raining and it's really crummy outside, but now the pool is awesome, right? Or, or you choose the sport, rock climbing indoors, or again, running is good in just such a range of conditions, right? Like running in the rain isn't even really that big of a deal. I don't know. It's been raining and kind of chilly the last couple of days and I have not cared. I think off-road is better in the rain, obviously, but it's just, you stay warmer, right? And we could say snowshoe, we could say, you know, insert the, the sport, uh, and that's not to say, like, I think I, I really like rollers and indoor trainers. I actually don't mind it. It's very efficient. So I think those who are willing to do it, definitely, like, that would be, if your cycling was a goal, then we would definitely do that. But some people just do not want to do it, right? But that's when we might look at fat biking or once a week trying to get out and do a, a ride, right? If there's a good weather day or, you know, different types of bikes, mountain bikes on the road or something like that are certainly options that you might consider if performing for cycling season is a is a goal right yeah for sure which i think you had a point that i liked around framing that just mentally like just that spring season you're out for the first few group rides and i thought that was do you want to take that one and i almost forgot my point here but well the idea is like do you need to race oh yeah you know immediately like hang on a second what was so so your your eight hour is almost like akin to melissa's like first month of cycling maybe right like do you need to be the fastest I mean, yes, always, but no, like seriously, no, like it's probably going to be totally fine that you're a little slower and like, I mean, Hey, especially when you're talking about road riding, you know what, just hang at the back. If you're like genuinely feeling like you're, you're worried that you're the slowest. And I think as an experienced cyclist and, and, you know, athlete that Melissa is, then what I would expect is if like, we could just take say March as the month, like, no, I will not ride a bicycle of any form and any type, none of these like weird transition things you know, March 1st or April 1st, I get back on the group rides and no more running or less running, whatever. Then I would say just, you know, you ease into that first month and try and just like no expectations, like ride in the, the slower group if that's an, an option, right? And you just ease into the season. And that's a very like European, you know, there used to be, you know, you just sort of like put in the base miles, like piano, fl- all flat training for the first, I don't remember what the rule was, but it was like you had to get a thousand miles of flat training, and they just would like spin and they did this for skiing too. Actually, I remember this European guy who would do only the super flat loop for some arbitrary 
somewhat maybe not arbitrary but some period of time like it was maybe the first month like december he would only do flat just flat loops no tension on the body and then he would go to the hills huh yeah yeah so sometimes like we just need to ease into it too right and that's that's okay too. just let those the running fitness transfer over and the body get used to that position and the forces yeah i think the only other thing i would add here is just um almost the opposite of what I said before about, you know, if you cycle all year, there's a bit of like stress that you're going to end up burning out because you're just doing the same thing all the time is, uh, conversely, um, if you go from like a huge cycling season directly into running like the next day, um, you know, you do still need to take some kind of like lower season if not off season right uh, so that's where you know that run walking that hiking any of that kind of stuff would come in and just just make sure your body is getting enough time to recover between the the disciplines and you're not just like sprinting from one thing to the next yeah which is maybe the tough thing when you can do everything right there's like you know the second the one season finale happens you're like immediately into you know whatever like cyclocross right now is the thing so like everyone's like finishing you know their mountain bike stuff or something but now cyclocross whatever and then like maybe there's like fall runs or no, strength w- training starting the worst i ever treated my body and i feel like i just keep like I'm, every q a here i'm just dropping like terrible things molly's done to herself um was driving back from my first iron man and like my dad and I drove and it took us a day and a half of driving to get home. And I went to cyclocross practice the day we got home. Despite being on an IV. Despite the fact that I had an IV drip. I think that's, you don't even Iron need Man. to say you did Ironman. You were on an IV and then you went to cyclocross practice. Yeah. So, okay. So on that topic though, like wait, 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 we should transition into the second question. The, the question was sort of a statement, but around like overtraining, when to take a break. And there was a third part. Uh, it was really just like about what taking a break could look like. Are we or or when, month? when should you take a break or something? Yeah. Right? Like how do you know? Was that sort of the idea? Yeah. I, it was I kind of so. a scattershot approach to uh, when to take a break and how long the break should be. Yeah. So I'll put a couple links. We have a few like cyclocross burnout, which is always a thing except for this year when cyclocross didn't seem to happen. Um, I think it's still going to be a cyclocross burnout because everyone was so excited, <laughs> like weirdly excited about cyclocross, myself included. And like, we're all aware it's not happening, but we're also all still really psyched. Yeah. And then you have like Zwift, like winter burnout around like February, you get you're like, oh, I went way too hard on the Zwift uh, on the indoor training. Um, and then there's just this idea of like, sometimes we just burn the candle too. you know, we get burnt out, right? We get motivation drops, you know, injuries are happening, illness is happening, you know, performance is dropping despite, you know, high perceived exertion. And this can still be happening, even though we don't really have a lot of racing happening right now. In fact, I'm, <laughs> I've made this argument several times over the summer. I think it's actually more prone to happening because we don't 100%. have the natural ebb and flow of like race recover. Yeah, and I, f- I think if we, we think about this as like a Greg Lehman, like how full is your cup, right? We have a stress cup. It's You fill the cup. Quite full right now. Right, and so we all have this like COVID stress, pandemic stress, uh, work stress, kids are home stress. You know, there's all these different factors, let alone the training stress. And so I tend to, you know, try and think that we need to keep like a bit of room in that cup as adults because there's always something that's going to come up or, or will be right. And sometimes when we're like really keen, motivated endurance athletes, sometimes we're like always pushing that cup to like the brim of the cup. Um, you know, it's like almost overflowing or maybe even dripping a bit. Right. And so this, the drips are like the, Oh, my knee pain. Oh, I got sick. Oh, you know, I had a really feeling like a lot of anxiety and like it's starting to get, you know, disruptive to my day. 
um, and, and not to downplay any of these conditions, but this is like the theory that as we start filling the cup too much, we can only handle so much. We all have our own capacity. We have different size cups. Some people are big cups. Some people are little cups. Um, but we want to keep a little bit of slack in the system or a little bit of room in our cup, right? And this is essentially my inverted U thing. I've just started maybe using the cup because we can picture a cup getting full. Uh, but on the inverted U, it's just we want to stay on the left side of the peak on the the curve, right? Like where we're still getting benefit, but we could still do a bit more and still get benefit versus doing a bit more and crumbling. The uh, roller coaster is still clicking up the starting. Yeah, thing. yeah. And so I think if we stick with the cup idea here, it's like with overtraining, you, you've just been like spilling the cup for a while. Like you've been going full gas on a few different priorities in life, right? And so the idea is like, can we put slack back into the system? So for some people, it's just convincing us because i've been there too you know it's a little less training like whatever you think is enough is too much and we need to roll it back and believe for a bit that our bodies will adapt even though it's maybe not instagram worthy like you know it's that classic unremarkable ride i talk about 90 minutes maybe an hour maybe it's only a 5k run a couple off days in the week right and it doesn't have to be huge right you don't have to do a 200k ride it might be you know it might be three hours. It might be an hour. I think the important thing there is, you know, the, the more you can keep that like to the left side of the curve, the longer you can hold that for versus if you tip even slightly over to the right and your, your cup's just a little bit too full, you're going to hit that point where you need two months off instead of two days off. Yeah. And maybe you get away with spilling a bit. Right. But at some point the mess is like, you know, the neighbors are calling cause it's dripping into their thing. Right. And, and you're, you're going to have to go and deal with that. Picturing more of like a log flume situation. <laughs> What's a log flume? Uh, come on, like in an amusement park, you know, it's, oh. it's like the roller coaster thing. Is where that like, a flume? Yeah, oh, that's I, what it's called. It ticks you up and then you go down into yeah, the water. Sure. Yeah. yeah, I got you. Um, yeah, I don't know how, I guess that's like there's a big splash. Yeah, okay. like you're going to just... Ex- People like, are screaming. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's the idea then with overtraining is we've just like kept the cup full for too long. We've been driving it hard and we're starting to see like... a you know, you're trying as hard as you can. You're trying harder than you've ever tried and you just keep getting worse and worse and worse. So that's the downside of the curve is that like you're trying more and more, but the performance, the results, the benefits are just decreasing and decreasing and decreasing, which is not what we want. So for some people it's just backing off. That could be just a recovery week. It could be adding in a second recovery day, making sure that it's actually a recovery day, not like a secret training day or like an extra like couple core workout day. Um, which is hard, right? Cause a lot of us are, when we get into the state is like, we're, we're maybe like trying to exercise away problems or, or get away from things or keep our mind off things. So it's, it's tough. We have to find another outlet, right? Which might be therapy. It might be yoga, uh, meditation. There's all sorts of different ways you could take this, right? And sometimes it does take actual therapy and, and that's hard to say, but that I will can say as like a bit of an aside, I think a lot of people also stay in it, um, from like a body composition standpoint, they're like terrified that if they stop, they're going to gain weight. And I know I've been super guilty of this, but actually I say it to a friend all the time, like another like ultra runner type. Uh, when we like every year when we've gone to Costa Rica or somewhere and we've taken like a week off of any like hard exercise or running or anything, like that's when I've dropped any excess weight and inflammation and stuff. So right. I think like you'll be surprised at how beneficial that slowdown can actually be. 
Right. Um, and like the, a lot of the, a lot of the things that we're scared are going to happen because we stopped training. Like I also get really nervous that I'm not going to want to start training again. Um, don't really come to fruition. Right. So I guess trying to circle around on this. So we've talked a lot about this cup and this idea of like what I might call adaptive capacity. So how much slack in the system do we have to like fill the cup? Right. So if you're like really low stress, you go on vacation, you know, or a training trip, there's no work, no kids. You might have like a lot of room in that cup to just hit like a big week of training and actually absorb it. Right. But when you stack all the other stressors and pour them into the cup, there's less adaptive capacity. Right. So if we don't have much and we do this for a long time, then this is where we get into like maybe an overtraining state. Right. So we start seeing like depressed heart rate. So it's hard to get your heart rate up. Right. Then I certainly tend to go this way myself. Um, and if I just stay recovered, then I can do great intervals. But then eventually, like it's very like I can go as hard as I can and the heart rate just like won't get up. So we're watching for that. We're like in a maximal interval set or something like heart rate is just doesn't go up. It probably even recovers quickly, which might be a, a good sign of aerobic fitness sometimes. But when it drops a lot and really like back down under like 100 beats, like 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 just drops like Molly's log flume. Um, this is tends to be a bad sign that the, we have this like the parasympathetic system, you know, the rest and digest system is just like taken over. Right. Whereas we want like the sympathetic system, the like, what's it called? The fight and flight, like which are in an interval session. Like we want that. We want the heart rate activation, right? We want that to be, and you've probably seen this, you know, you've recovered well for a race or something and the heart rate is like just responsive, right? And you feel good. And the heart rate's responsive is like a good situation. What we don't want is feeling crummy and heart rates depressed. And that's usually when we're starting to be like, Ew, right? Like, and that may happen in your 20 hour week on vacation, but it should recover quickly. Right. It's when you've like driven that along for like months. Right. Yeah. Right. So this is like, this is one sign of overtraining. Other signs would be like, um, anything disruption with period disruption with sleep disruption, like really grumpy, like low libido is a classic one for sure. For guys like that libido is like a really big tell. Um, there was a good article a runner wrote uh, there about a year or two ago and I thought it was really good and like I've never seen anything else really about it but his thing was just like libido should be like really like used way more especially for like your younger men but like we're seeing this thing where like there's just no libido that's not a hooper mckinnon number that i really want to know about though yeah it's a tough one so hooper mckinnon would be like if you're tracking some of these things hooper mckinnon's one of the like there's dalda there's the palms so just these profile of moves stage is what palm stands for these surveys right that we do hrv for training does one um and, and that's sometimes where we can early detect you know how motivated are you to go i like motivation how is sleep quality irritability irritability or mood um energy what was the performance like so if performance is just crummy like every single day like that's what i'm always looking for in comments and stuff is like if every day you just feel fatigued and, and even two days honestly it's like gets to be too much unless it's expected like if you go out we have our thanksgiving coming up here in canada and i got everyone on or a lot of people on you know we're going to go out and ride a lot and get a little volume block in there I, i'm expecting that you're going to be tired for a couple days if you go out and do that right but again, should recover. There should be a recovery week planned. And then we should be back to that good state. Everything's like super feeling good, super light, you know, not sore going upstairs. So overtraining is just all this stuff persists, right? And, you know, a day off, you still feel slow, still feel unmotivated, still negative. Um, and so what we're watching is like, we need to do something about that at some point, right? Because that's not performance. That's not optimal. 
Right. So I would say anyone who's like, these things are like, oh yeah, like I do, my heart rate never goes up. Like I can't get it over say threshold. Uh, you know, I, I do feel low mood, you know, if any of these things are resonating or, or like just, you've been, you have sometimes those flat power curve, the like everyone just 200 Watts for everything. Like it never goes above. So it's, you know, if the performance is just crummy and you feel crummy and, and you have any of these signs and symptoms, energy, energy, illness, uh, injury, then I would say, yeah, you take the time off and it's going to probably, it could be a month. It could be two months. It could be longer, right? We're going to go for blood tests. We're going to watch for that sleep to come back for mood to come back for energy to come back. And then we're not going to do anything. Still, you're going to keep, keep it low. Right. And then maybe you return with like, probably better not even to use your sport and to just start hiking a bit, you know, lightly to start and just watching that, like everything continues to recover. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's worth it. Like I think, two months off is not the end of the world, especially right now. Um, you know, there's no urgent deadlines of any type, especially just even with the season we're in, like you, you're not even to Christmas time. So most summer sports, like you could easily start training in December and be ready, um, starting from zero. But most of these people are so fit that like, honestly, you'll probably come back and get like peak powers and like have really good tests even off of that. Um, or soon thereafter. So I would say like, if, if, my rule of thumb is like, if you have to ask the question, <laughs> it's probably a good time. Uh, but I would get like, seek out some of these like support, right? Like I would try out therapy if you've never tried it. Um, mm-hmm. at least a sports psychologist, if not like actual normal person therapy, um, and, and put yourself into that. And again, just try and like, how can you get healthier? This is the I- Greg Lehman question with the cup. Like it just gets back to, can you make that cup bigger in these two months so that when you come back to training, you know, your capacity is, is better, right? Can you arm yourself with more mental tools, with more recovery tools, with more, you know, better nutrition, um, which we didn't even talk about, but nutrition would be a piece too, where you, it might not be the training too much. It might be the fueling too little. Sure. Which we could probably talk about more, but that's a lot of talking already. Yeah. That's an episode for another day. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we'll wrap up there. Like we said, we'll link to a bunch of uh, episodes and articles over in the show notes for this episode. You can find that at consummateathlete.com. Um, and you know, as always ratings, reviews, etc., to the podcast are greatly appreciated. And of course, let us know any questions that you have for upcoming episodes, hit us up in our DMS at consummate athlete on Instagram. Um, And yeah, consummateathlete.com for everything. Thank you so much. And we will see you soon. Thanks so much for tuning into the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or any of our past episodes, please do us a huge favor. Leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps us bring on, you know, great new guests. And yeah, we'd also love to hear from you. You can find us on the interwebs um, at consummateathlete.com, at consummateathlete on Instagram. Uh, And I am at Molly J. Herford on Instagram and Twitter. And Peter is at Peter Glassford. Thank you so much for tuning in. And we will see you next week.